Welcome, welcome to another live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford here, AD Drew down there in the bottom, and joining us is a good friend of the network, good friend of ours and yours. It's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Drew, Doc, hello. How you doing today? I'm doing fine, my brother. Doing fine. Just happy to see you uh, back here on the sports wrap, uh, back in the captain's chair, my brother. How you doing, yeah, Doc? It's good to be here. I'm good. It's good to be here. Certainly good to see you. And again, uh, this is go out to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, good to be back. And uh, definitely, uh, thank you to <clears throat> thank you to everybody on. On the network and, and shows last week, uh, you guys uh, drew filling in for me uh, on Wednesday night with the OMG, and and uh, you know I, I appreciate all the thoughts and prayers and and uh, just uh, just feel appreciative uh, of those uh, of those thoughts and, and prayers. Uh, we'll share. I'll share a little more <clears throat> towards the end of the show, but uh, it's good to. Good to kind of have sports and uh, sort of as that, uh, what do you call it? That that uh, that distraction. And I, and I think in terms of HBCU sports, we had plenty to talk about this weekend. I, I you know, this might have been not since the spring have we really had a weekend. And I say the spring. I guess I should clarify the spring of twenty uh, twenty one. Where we had a <laughs> lost track of years. I, I, I did, I did, because it was very unusual what we had in the spring. But we had a busy, a busy weekend. You know, we had uh, we had football, we had basketball, we had baseball, softball, uh, all kinds of good stuff, man, and some and some good action. And I think it's a great way to to get us ready for March Madness. That's that my favorite month of the year. So. I uh, want to thank everybody for coming on to the uh, Sports Wrap today. Just a reminder, make sure to check us out. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, thank you for watching us there, MyJBN1. Go ahead and make sure you hit that thumbs up and make sure you're subscribed to that channel. And also, if you're watching us on Facebook, hit the like button. Um, go ahead and make sure to share the show with some friends and please make sure you're following us on all social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at my BCSN one, the number one. And you'll also find us on the Jericho broadcast networks app. Just go to your Google or Apple play store and search, download my JBN, my BCSN. 
is where you can find it. Drew, I see you now. Uh, you know, you, you can't come in there with that with that extra vision <laughs> there. I can see you now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I realized I didn't turn my lights on before the, before we went on camera, so I was supposed yeah, to keep that yeah. in. You weren't supposed to call me out like that, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just got real bright all of a sudden over there. Sorry about that. See, it's all love. That's my I, personality I showing out. That's a bright personality. <laughs> Out the dark hey, uh, look, we, yeah, we look. We we wanted. We got a busy show today. Lots to talk about. As Drew said, we got about three hours worth of content that we're going to try to squeeze into a two-hour show. Trust me, our producer said you better make sure it's two hours because he's not sticking around for three hours. So uh, that's that's what it is. And we've got uh, Doc joining us a little bit later. We're going to have Jamie Walker joining us in the second hour. Uh, but we brought in Doc because, Doc, from a from a visual standpoint, we wanted to, you know, talk about a little bit of the, the, the optics of what this weekend meant to HBCU sports. It was big. So I, I guess I'll, I'll start – and we'll start with my first question, Doc, of, of all the events and all the things that happened this weekend, what was the one thing uh, that caught your eye or that was the most appealing thing for you this weekend? First, let me say shout out to Edwin Moore. As he says, the doc is in the, out of the lab. Yes, I'm with the two brothers on the sports wrap. I'm going to wrap it up a little bit. What really caught my eye is when I was literally sitting in uh, my chair in my living room after running around a little bit and taking care of some early business. And I get the flipping the channels and I realize all these events on. And I flip and I do like NBA TV. And I see the basketball game, Morgan State and Howard. And it's later in the game. It's a very good game in terms of the entertainment value being close plays being made back and forth. And I said, uh, I look back and I go to my iPad and I'm like, okay, I can put this because it's on ESPN and TNT, NBA TV together. So, okay, I can put that over there. So I put it on the iPad, get it set up and real nice. My son's running around there and he's yelling, hey, that's HBCU basketball. And he's trying to name out the teams, which is hilarious. And I'm like, all right, go away. I'm, I'm, I, I need my time. I'm finna get into it. So then I, I do my voice, you know, modern, so it's so nice. And I go, um, NFL Network, boom, Legacy Bowl comes up. And it's, it's starting out and they're making any moves and a couple of plays here. And I say, are we on the baseball games? And I get a couple of scrolls and I see some text. Go back, hit the remote again, Major League Baseball Network. I be doggone, here comes the game, Jack State's up, and it's a good one. So I'm like flipping back and forth, prime time, major networks, direct TV. I had a chance where you had all of them up on where you're looking at all the other sports around. I was like, this is nice. Uh, who would have ever thought we would got to the point where you would have seen all three sports in terms of HBCU components on the network, not only on the network, but they were specializing center stage on the independent networks of each major league. I mean, each match as a conference, if you would, that was out there. So I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Obviously, we've never seen this because, frankly, new over the last 20 years. 
but anything even close to the opening uh, season for baseball taking off, and it's on the network with the Andre Dawson Classics with some in terms of FAMU, Southern, Grambling, Jackson State, uh, Alabama State in terms of what they've done lately. And then, obviously, you have Prairie View involved in it. It's amazing to see uh, that out there. And then again, you get MEAC Division One basketball, Howard and Morgan State, having their thing and representing themselves, wanting a close game. And then, oh, by the way, let's just call the HBCUs in a pot for the Legacy Bowl. Um, it got me. I literally went to some of the websites and ordered me some stuff so I can wear it as apparel. We got okay. We got you there. I might have thought I might have lost you there for a second. Uh, Drew, what uh, what about you? What what was something that caught your caught your eye this weekend? Not enough time is what caught my eye because, like, kind of like Doc said, for about an hour there, you had HBCU on five different platforms: ESPN, ABC. TNT, MLB Network, and NFL Network, where everything overlapped for about an hour. And because of other obligations, I was unable to enjoy it because I was busy calling the Stephen William Carey game uh, during the play-by-play. And I'm pretty sure there were other people who were in that in that similar situation because of their fandom with this being the last weekend of the CIAA. Uh, coming down to the end of the SIAC, going down the home stretch in the SWAC and the MEAC, along with the GCAC, the Red River, and the Southern States conferences uh, beginning to wind down. And there were probably people in their fandom following their team, knowing that all of this content was out there. And hopefully they were subscribed to the proper streaming service or DVR it or what, whatever they need to do to go back and to, and, to, and to record this. Then when I get back to the hotel to actually see a, these highlights of these events on the Four Letters Network sports show, that even adds even more crazy because if you're on network TV and you're on primetime, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be on the highlight show. So mm-hmm. that took that also takes it to a, another level. And yeah. our story was ahead of some of the other major events that went on in the sports world this weekend. Yeah. Brian, I I, I wanted to chime back in there with that because I thought it was interesting and I'm trying to figure out what could have created it. Um, I noticed they had obviously the HBCU Legacy Bowl, if, if you would, and it opened night on the LA as I stay up late uh, as they were talking about the NBA All-Star game, and they featured the basketball game. But they baseball. 
HBCU games on. Is that, you know, a point of contention in terms of the collaborating in terms of that area? Um, they always can have that information. Or is this uh, another indication of just league baseball has went down the line in regards to between the NFL and the HBCU Legacy Bowl, it was showcased. It's for a segment. They went right into the NBA and it's part of their segment. But they did not have the Major League Baseball because I had caught all three. So, you know, I was focused. So I was going, I said, three of highlights here. And to my surprise, they spent off. And I was like, ooh, I wonder what this really means. Well, also, let's keep it by Doc. College baseball itself is not a sport that gets a whole lot of highlights on a lot of different uh, networks. So I think, and I understand and I understand where you come from, but I think that's just a byproduct of college baseball in general as more of the general population follows college football, obviously, followed by college basketball, number two. You know, college baseball is down there as far as sports. You know, NASCAR and everything else gets more coverage than college baseball Softball's in general. Game. And, th- and then when more you bring- coverage and highlights than baseball. Right. And then when you break right. it down to the I HBCU portion there, of it. But but I was intrigued about that because point thought about, you know, this is just – baseball in general falling off the cliff, but the fact that they had, like you said, plenty of softball highlights, highlights wherever they could get it, and they also had some baseball highlights. So they took highlights from where they get their hands. Something to me is just bigger than that, than maybe if I can get to some of my ESPN some additional insight but that that was I don't want to be the dead horse, but that was strange. <laughs> and, and and one other thing, shout out to Howard for taking a crucial home game late in the BX season and playing it in a neutral site in Cleveland because this was Howard's home game that they had to play in Cleveland. And the way the BX standings are looking, that's gonna that's gonna determine those seeds and those top four seeds uh, with Howard being the winner of that game. So, you know, Howard did not have to do that, and you have to think real hard between that check and maintaining the the integrity of your basketball season, your conference by moving that home game to Cleveland, Ohio where you may or may not have people rooting for you. I, I will say this, though. If, I, if, anybody, if anybody gets the <clears throat> understands the significance of the moment, it's Howard. Uh, remember, this is Howard who had the game scheduled with Notre Dame on Fox. So the, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that was guaranteed to be a makeup game for this year. It just so happened that it turned out to be probably in part because of the relationship between the coaches. So that was probably an added bonus that came in. I don't think that was originally scheduled 
uh, or, or when you when the schedules uh, early in the fall back in September, it was one of those things that came out uh, at the beginning of the season where it was like, oh, hey, we're going to play this game against Notre Dame because we missed out on it. I guess it worked out once they had the ACC scheduling and everything. And Notre Dame said, yeah, we're going to make it happen. And it was added into the schedule. So Howard picked up a home game. So I could see Howard coming back and saying, sure, we'll give up this game. We understand how important it could be for the Howard brand and for Howard basketball to go to Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and 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 they and, and they had a good, what I was really impressed about when I saw that. And I got to say, there, Doc, you were talking about the joy of being able to watch it with your son. I mean, I I was I was I was on that same end, just on the other side, being able to sit there and tell my dad that you know, hey, dad, there's a there's an HBCU basketball game on ESPN and uh, and, uh, and TNT. He was like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, the, the look. And so we watched it. We watching it on a 71 inch TV, <laughs> you know, in HD and we watched some pretty decent basketball. And so, I mean, he, he stayed awake for it. So, I mean, that, that was telling. So, I mean, <laughs> look, you know, sometimes you, after lunch, you get, those, you get those afternoon Saturday naps in, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Right. So, oh, look, yeah. the fact that he, exactly. So the fact that he was awake for it, and was watching it, and then we transitioned over to the Legacy Bowl. I mean, that was pretty cool, man, to be able to watch that with with my dad. And so I know a lot of folks hopefully had a chance to 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 watch uh, a couple of different games and, and just. But again, I I, I love the production level. They had a great crowd in Cleveland. I had my head scratching. I was like, I was like, man, they got a great crowd up there in Cleveland. Um, the Morgan, you know, you had good audio from the Morgan and Howard cheerleaders, uh, you know, and and just everything about that game, the energy level, uh, good commentating, uh, half, you know, in between they had uh, uh, Stephen A., uh, Isaiah Thomas, and I forgot the other lady, the, the, the lady who was uh, sort of co-hosting the halftime segment. Uh, it, it was it was well put together, man. And, and, and Doc, I didn't even think about the fact that you just brought up all three of those events were on the professional leagues network channels. It wasn't, you know, yes, I know they did the simulcast with ESPN and all, but the fact that it was NBA TV, MLB TV, uh, NFL Network, they were the ones that uh, spearheaded and sort of seeing the value in broadcasting these events was, was major. You know, and I, and I thought that was uh, that was telling. I, I looked past that uh, initially until you brought that point up. Um, we don't have Thank any number. No, go ahead. Go well, ahead. I, I, was, I do want to. I, I do want to jump in there before you chime in and numbers and ratings like that. I wanted to say, let me count the ways. You know, I love to talk about the business side of this. The financial for this event were not too bad. NBA and do select each to receive fifty thousand dollars scholarship that's all a total 11 hbcu students were selected to participate in an nba all-star event shadowing program nba foundation each awarded two hundred and fifty thousand grant good marshall college fund and the united negro college fund a million total nba and at&t each donated one hundred dollars to Howard Athletics and to Morgan Athletics, that's thousand 
So you're up to 1.3 million. So a little easier to say, yeah, we'll way to find ourselves in Cleveland versus having this game at home. But both of your points of what you even consider this huge and the fact they understand the relationship of Notre Dame. So Howard is finding a way to get it done and finding a way to do it. What was the MEAC uh, and the SWAC for that matter? So that was significant when you got $1.3 million. So the prices just went up. Yeah, um, I you've heard me, those of you who've heard me, and I know Drew's heard me talk about the concept of doing things for HBCUs and doing things with HBCUs. Whereas I may have been critical of the NBA a year ago, I cannot be critical this year because they were doing something for HBCUs this year. Whereas, you know, I, I look, it was maybe because of the timing, it wasn't as much last year. And sometimes there are still things that are happening because people want to be a part of this uh this uh, HBCU phenomenon and they want to be with HBCUs, but they're really not making any major contributions. When I saw those numbers and especially the 11 shadow opportunities, don't sleep on how important that is of all the things I thought that was the one that I circled and was like, yo, imagine being one of those 11 guys and gals. And I mean, somebody like myself who grew up, uh, I not grew up, I'm still a sports fan, but grew up wanting to be in that environment to get an opportunity to be in a shadow program. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's huge. That's invaluable. I mean, one of those 11, hopefully more than one of those 11 may end up eventually becoming a, an executive at an NBA franchise and make a big difference in, 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 in the future landscape of, what we see in the face of executives in professional sports. And it may come as a result of that shadow opportunity. So when I talk about doing something for HBCUs, that's what I'm talking about. Opening up the doors, giving students an opportunity. The money is great, but giving the kids and those students the opportunity to, to work behind the scenes, to show that, hey, we are just as good as any local college, power five, whatever, university, West Direction State that you may want to support, our students are just as good, maybe even a little bit better. I thought that was huge. No, that was uh, huge. That was Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't see any rating numbers come out. I know I was searching before the show. I don't think the ratings have come out yet. Uh, I don't. You know, who knows if it really matters um, because I think the the optics were there. But um, what's the what's the progression from this? I think the progression is you'll probably see more parts, um, components doubling down. I know it's like the number of partnerships you've seen with the legacy bowl to kind of take that one first founding partners these are the sponsors associated with this Coors Light, the Saints Louisiana uh, Food for Your Soul Traveling, NFL, Adidas Mahomes Riddell uh, Mahomes Fame Coca-Cola Allstate Insurance 
participating partners. I'm just getting started. Bobby Wagner, <laughs> for SiriusXM, Home Depot, Aaron Donald, Jameis Winston, excuse me, Handshake uh, Company, Toronto. You even had uh, Tulane, the uh, older plus doctors, Gulf Coast Guard, Sister That was associated with the NFL Network. And so the fact that you partner with NFL, but the connection that you see in the dollars associated with it. And you could see that in terms of it gave those students and they really connected a lot of dots. Actually had um, the ability for them that was associated with it and those kind of marketing things. I think uh, I believe is highly significant uh, with the a lot of the sponsorships associated with it. I told you some of the dollars associated with just that, with AT&T, uh, obviously NBA itself, Mountain Dew, uh, just to give you a couple of those in there or associated with that partnership. So I think that was huge. Same thing with uh, Major League Baseball. So the core is going to make this even more relevant and Listen, there's money associated with this, and we live in a very, I think in a lot of ways, you've seen that the professional organizations, associations, and franchise have this PR, but also there is a financial with specific corporations that want to be tied to this. I think it's going to grow in a lot of ways. We've kind of seen this last week is how it hurt some of the smaller businesses, smaller programs that are looking to go to that. That's going to be challenging. Be looking at the Division One programs. The second part, all taking a really hit last week. I think you're going to see that that's going to be even do it uh, at this level. Uh, so that's effects moving forward. Uh, I, I want to echo kind of what you just said there, Doc, but I, I do want to let these corporations know, large and small, there are plenty other events, there are plenty other schools out there that are trying to occur, that need support. It doesn't have to be the HBCU Legacy Bowl. It could be the HBCU within your state, within your within your metro market, or it could be other events out there that that needs funding, need supporting. Uh, you got events uh, such as the Black College World Series trying to get off the ground. That looking looking for supporters out there. So it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be the coolest lights of the world. It could be a law firm in a local town that do, that does its its support or it could be a chain of restaurants a franchisee in a local town there, there's plenty that could be done if you want to contribute to hbcus within your community or nationwide good point drew i i want to encourage everybody um 
you know, there is there is a power in letting people know you appreciate their support. Um, trust me, it it it, it, it I, I know it very well right now. Um, but I will say for these events, the, the sponsors, the people that supported, let them know, hey, we appreciate you as an alum, as a fan. Let them know you appreciate their support, whether you buy their product or invest in their product or whatever, because that's what they, you know, let's keep it real. That's what they are. They have a product to, to sell. And a lot of times the organizations, a, a lot of the uh, funds, the, uh, the social programs that a lot of the uh, NFL athletes have, they, they have those set up for a reason to give back to those communities. But we have to let them know that, Yes, we were watching. Yes, we appreciate your support. Or, hey, I'm a fan of Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner. Let those, send those, whether they reply or not, irrelevant. They get it. They're, they got people who see that stuff. Let them know, hey, we appreciate, uh, as, a, as a FAMU uh, a graduate, I appreciate your support of the HBCU Legacy Bowl and tag the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Let them know you appreciate their support. So I would encourage everybody this week to find some time in the middle of your tweets and while we talk about all the other stuff going on in the world, um, let these sponsors and advertisers of these events know that you appreciate their support. Because as you said, Drew, if you want to get the support at the smaller levels, you got to be able to let them know that, uh, you know, hey, uh, there, there's an, an active, engaging audience that appreciates and sees what you're doing. So if you want more eyes, go give your support to, to these companies. Go ahead, Drew. Something simple. If you don't have time to do everything that, you, that you're doing, because we all spend time on our phones, on our laptop, on our iPads. Go to that. Go to their social media, like their Facebook, like their Twitter, Instagram. Click on their website. Let the algorithms speak for you. If you can't do anything else, if those algorithms jump up this week, it, 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 there's somebody in that marketing department who will correlate that back to this event that happened this weekend. Something simple. Um, Doc, I wanted to, if it's okay, I want, before we kind of wrap up the segment, I wanted to transition to another big event coming up this week. Uh, it's the CIAA tournament. And I was just reading or watching a, uh, editorial from the president and GM of WBAL TV at 11 in Baltimore. And he did a good job, I thought, of pointing out the fact that the CIAA chose Baltimore. And he, in his message to uh, his constituents and his viewers, you know, he said there's a there's a lot of negative things that have been happening in Baltimore. There's a lot of negative things that we unfortunately have to cover. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but the one good thing that's happening in our city is this basketball tournament this week, and it's because they chose us. And he made point of the potential of a hundred thousand spectators that will have an impact economic impact of nearly $500 million. So, you know, if you can for a second, talk a little bit about 
the impact of what the CIAA as I mean, it's unprecedented really as a, as a division two conference and what they continually do. Uh, they're the third largest basketball tournament in college basketball, and it's a division two tournament, but the impact that they're the brain. Yes. When you start looking at, at um, collection of HBCUs, private and public institutions, the institutions are not necessarily huge when you do it in terms of their enrollment, but they're huge and significant in terms of their history and what they put out in the community. And in a lot of ways, the CIAA tournament is cradle of, of what we have seen to the what we just talked about. It is the embryo. A lot of people first started to see that this can be something that you can measure in terms of the corporate support and how you can find the synergy between. There's always going to be those that have some concern uh, in terms of just the pure capitalism and how it feeds in cultural experience of HBCUs. But go with me for this for a minute. It's important from the standpoint that um, there is value associated understand that it goes a long way in regards to that was a beautiful point that you put out uh, that was Baltimore was chosen by the CIAA obviously we've heard about disgruntled treatment by fans and in general the C in terms of the leadership of what was going on and its previous and the fact that they've lift up tent and went somewhere else that wanted as much as they wanted uh, to be in Baltimore itself. It's this looks like. Um, and so I'm looking forward to a great weekend. This is another one that where all, all these games will be broadcast uh, in terms of ES and the championships with the partnership there. So you'll be able to see these games. So I think that's going to be fascinating as well in terms of the level of uh, exposure that continues to be viewed on HBCU, uh, whether it's at the SWAC, NEAC, now at CIAA, um, and even from a streaming platform, Gold Coast Athletic Conference, uh, we most recently had a partnership in terms of BCSN. Uh, not at point. It is important uh, that we showcase these institutions because of the modern platform that we're given uh, today. Well said, Drew. Any, any final questions or, or, or comments for Doc before we before we head to a break? No, oh, just the fact that the CIAA is the granddaddy of them all. Uh, every tournament, no matter what conference, whether it's a historically white conference or historically black conference, strives to be the CIAA. It is a classic that is a week long. That's the best way to describe the CIAA. And to all of these cities that have these tournaments, this shows how important it is for you to take care of the commodity that you have because you don't miss it until it's gone. And I guarantee you, Charlotte is going to miss having that tournament in its town 
this weekend, the heads and beds, you, you know, the, 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 the gas for the cars, the, uh, the, the, the restaurants, all that stuff that cities like Birmingham are benefit, going to benefit from and Baltimore this weekend, how many other cities are going to recognize and step up and do the things that they need to do to support events like this. And shout out to Montgomery, Alabama also for uh, for stepping into things uh, such as this and supporting a lot of HBCU events also. I'm, I'm super jealous of all of you who get to go to these events and take a whole week off. I'm so jealous. Uh, <laughs> but props to everybody who's planning to go to the CIAA. We'll talk a little bit more about the tournament uh, here on the uh, coming up here later in the show. Uh, but uh, Doc, um, thanks for taking some time out to uh, kick off the show with us. Don't forget, check out the uh, – make sure you get into the lab tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Don't be late. Roll call is out on time, top of the hour. <laughs> Got to put your name on the on the, on the the roll. Don't be late. And, check uh, the roll. We check sure. the roll, Brian. Yes, yes. And, and come prepared. Like all the, I got so many kids. I don't have a pen. I don't have a paper. I don't understand how you come to class and don't have a pen and paper. I got kids that do that. And I still, to this day, don't understand how you walk out the house without a pen and a paper. So if you come into the lab, have a pen and a paper with you and, and be ready to learn something. All right. That's tomorrow right here on the Black College Sports Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. Central. Um, Doc, Mike, uh, Charles, and, uh, Hopefully everybody will be there, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the what we got in store tomorrow. All right. Yeah, we might talk a little bit about that conference championship with Tennessee State and uh, Clark Atlanta, South Carolina. You got all that talk. Uh, new commissioner, me at state made in regards to AT and T. A and T. I'm thinking about the sponsorship that we just speaked about, but uh, don't. Carolina uh, in regards to that, but that's going to be fascinating. So I'm that chatter as well. So uh, I would like to sure I bring it tomorrow. And, and I got to say, Doc, before I let you go, I, I if you guys didn't go listen to 239, episode 239, I got a hoot. I, I laughed. I love 239, especially your repeat. I felt like I had to write it down five times. As you ended episode 239, reminding people, don't be fooled about why teams are moving or schools are moving conferences. It is not what you think. I think you you said it. I, I can't even – I'm paraphrasing, but I know you, you repeated it about five times. It is not about football. It is not about football. It is not about football. I love the way you grabbed. That was like a mic drop, Doc. I, and, and, and then you almost added, if they told you that it's a lie, I just felt like, preach, Doc, preach. And I, look, go listen. Go listen. You want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I, I'm trying to figure out how to cut a promo on that. We will cut a promo because you said you said something right there, Doc. And so uh, just go check episode 239 out. You can find it on the BCSN pod zone. It's right there at the top of the queue. Listen to the whole thing, but you'll get a kick out of the last uh, 10 minutes, I think. You will, you will thoroughly enjoy it, and you might learn something that you can go tell somebody else. That's all I got to say. All right, we're going to take a break again. 
Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, thank you for your time. Make sure to check out the uh, Inside the HBCU Sports Lab tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, right here on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be back in just a moment. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. In 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. We there? We there? All right, there we go. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD, want to appreciate Dr. I'm going to do, do my best, Kelvin. Can you hear me? In the last segment. Look, can, <laughs> look can, yes, yes. You got to stop all the rocking. Stop all the rocking. Um, look, we got a lot of stuff that uh, went down over the, over the weekend. So, I mean, we can go in any number of places, Drew. Coming up at the top of the second hour, we're going to get into the HBCU Legacy Bowl with Jamie Walker. Jamie was on site in New Orleans along with uh, a lot of other media folks, but Jamie was there covering uh, that game. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about that. So that gives us uh, about a, a half of a segment here to kind of talk about some other stuff, Drew. Uh, let's get into, well, obviously the CIAA tournament is what's upcoming, right? So I figure Correct. what we should do is kind of, kind of set that up. And uh, the first thing you want, can we go into talking a little bit about that? Are you cool with that in this segment? Yeah, unless you want to hit the non HBCU story that we talked about. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We that that one's a little bit close to our heart. So it is basketball related, but 
we can kind of we can kind of get into that. Obviously, the big the big story, not HBCU sports story that uh, was happening, and we won't spend a lot of time on it. Just it's a little personal for both of us because we are coaches uh, on the side, and uh, we we've spent years, decades. Um, that sounded odd to say, but yeah, years coaching basketball. <laughs> so we know all too well some of the emotion that went on on Sunday in Wisconsin between Juwan Howard and uh, what's Wisconsin coach's name? Greg Beard, uh, Baird or Beard or something like that. Um, look, I so I'm getting off the plane and I'm seeing my phone just blow up saying Juwan Howard punch somebody. And I'm like, what? And so it wasn't until I, I got picked up and got the, the skinny and then you start going to seeing a video. I will say this. My, my thoughts, uh, a couple of things that come to mind for me. I can't for the life of me, and I, I'm not 6'9", but I always wondered what it'd be like to be 6'9 or 6'10". But I, for the life of me, I've heard Jawan Howard say on two different occasions in two different incidences that he's had in sideline altercations, uh, Maryland last year, and then this incident, that he felt threatened. And for the life of me, I'm like, why are you, as a 6'9", 6'10", former professional athlete from Chicago, why do you feel threatened by, let's just keep it real, these short white coaches who are probably about 5'10", 5'8". Why do you, you know what I'm saying? Why do you feel threatened? Now, to me, that just sounds weird. And 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 I I I some people will say, oh, that's the Chicago in him. I'm like, yeah, look, Jawan Howard's almost 50. Grow up. I, I, I feel like there's a part of me that says, grow up. You are 50. You are supposed to be a leader of men. You are supposed to be setting the example as a Michigan man, setting the example for your team and your young people, you know, um, how do you feel threatened? These, these guys don't, ha- these guys aren't in your circle. They haven't made the money that you've made as a professional athlete, probably not even as a professional assistant coach. You feeling threatened should be the last thing, unless they're endangering your family or your house or your home that I can see you feeling threatened by, but on the sideline where you on the court where you dominated, where you've owned that thing for over 30 years, Dwight Howard shouldn't feel threatened. So that part kind of sounds off to me. But secondly, and, and and I go to everybody was wrong. Greg Beard was wrong for putting his hands on Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard was wrong for what he did, his reaction in touching Greg here, Beard back and then slapping the other guy who I think I can't wait to hear what he said because I still maintain that he said something. Not saying he deserved to be slapped, but he said something. And when you say something, it's like, yeah, you you, you probably, if you were on the street, that's a slappable offense, probably what you said. But in the decorum of being a coach, where's our standard for coaches? Where's the standard for coaches? I think too many people want to say, Oh, we should do away with handshake lines. Folks, let's stop trying to end things when one bad incident of the hundreds and thousands of handshake lines that show good sportsmanship and respect for the game occur. The one time, the two times, or three times out of the hundreds of thousands of times that that happened, 
that it goes bad, that is not the time to say, let's stop doing it. So I'm sorry to Dick Vitale and whoever else tweeted, oh, let's stop having handshake lines. Even the COVID excuse didn't make sense. We can use COVID. Oh, well, don't we can't we can't shake we can't shake hands because of COVID. But you just played a 40 minute basketball game. I make it make sense to me because it doesn't. So I will continue to say that Juwan Howard, as a coach, Greg Beard, as a coach, as an example setter, as a leader of young men, as coaches who are supposed to be respecting the game, showing other people how to respect the game, did a poor job. And for that, they probably both should be suspended. I'd probably suspend Beard again. I'd probably send, I'd probably suspend Howard for five, which is the rest of the regular season. Let him come back at the beginning of the, uh, of the uh, Big Ten tournament, you know? And, and I think the thing for Howard, though, now that this is his second sort of scuffle or however you want to describe it, bro, you, you might need some counseling. You might need some, why, why do you feel triggered in these situations? You might need to talk that out with somebody because I think Michigan is about to drop a no tolerance policy on you. And I saw how that happened to Bobby Knight back in the day. You could accidentally touch a kid and you're done. So I, I think that's what's up ahead for Jawan Howard, but uh, that that's just my take and how I saw that thing playing out. And, and trust me, every time I watch the tape, I watch a new guy, Drew, and I watch that guy for like the whole 30 seconds. Okay, let me see what this guy does. Let me see what this player does. I think I did that all this afternoon too. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll turn, I'll step away, and I'll, and I'll let you get a word in here. I, I want to stick with the basketball portion of this first. Jawan Howard, you are dead ass wrong. And I'm going to tell you how, how you're wrong. Everybody's talking about the other coach shouldn't have called the timeout and shouldn't have called the second timeout. Yes, the game was up. Uh, the game was essentially over. They were up double digits under a minute to go. From the Wisconsin side, I've cleared my bench. You and I have coached basketball long enough to know there's usually a decorum when t- when you when the one team clears their bench, the other team go ahead and clears their bench. Be it the losing team sends them to, uh, to the table first, or the winning team sends them to the table first. You usually try to match it when the game is out of hand. Be it the last minute of the game, be it the last four minutes of a game. You 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 usually try to match them. Sidebar before I continue my point. I have personally witnessed teams that have come back from t- uh 10 point deficits, nine 10 point deficits in under a minute to win games. So I understand the competitiveness. But Juwan Howard. If you are going to continue to press me and me being the Wisconsin coach, that means I have to continue to coach my players in that situation as if it was a two-point ball game. If you're going to play defense like it's a two-point ball game, I'm going to coach offense like it's a one-possession ball game. That means if I would take that timeout in that situation to save a possession, in the first quarter, because it's a because it's a one possession ball game, 
I will do it in the fourth quarter if I'm down 20, if you're playing aggressively also. So I understand the optics of what the Wisconsin coach is doing by taking the timeout. And for those who are unfamiliar with the college basketball rule, you have 10 seconds to get the ball across the time uh, across the timeline. Not eight like the NBA, but you have 10 seconds just, just as in high school and levels below. Unlike high school, though, when the ball goes out of bounds in the backcourt, you do not get a new 10 seconds. If there is, at that point, I believe there was six seconds or four seconds remaining on the shot clock. It was at 24, I believe, or 26. You only have that time to get it across. So if the shot clock is at 24, you have four seconds to get the ball across. You do not get a new, you do not get a new 10 seconds. The only way you get a new 10 seconds is to burn a timeout. Considering they had the ball on the end line, it was advantageous for them to call that timeout. So from a basketball optics point, yes, he needed to call that timeout. Now, Juwan, you're upset. As adults, we have to know our own anger level. No matter what that other coach does, that may be the time. I'd rather for you talk about me. Hey, he didn't shake my hand. He went to the locker room because if I, because if I don't go to the locker room, I'm not going to maintain my cool Other, versus what you're talking about me now for if I'm Juwan Howard, which is losing my cool in public on the court in front of 15,000 fans and and 28 uh, student athletes. So, and and all the cameras and millions around the world. That's what the story, that's what the story is. That story of me going to the locker room because I did not want to shake hands would last about 30 seconds. So we have got to be better than that. Now, I coach high school, uh, I coach basketball in Georgia. Georgia has gone away from the handshake. It originally was due to COVID. They did not reinstitute it this year in high school basketball. What does that mean? Then at the end of the game, hey, good game. Hey, good game. Good game. Point. Do, do what you do. And, and you go to your locker room, they go to their locker room. Yep. Did I like that originally? No, because like you said, it took that spirit of uh, – sportsmanship away but it has kept a lot of the you got to watch you got to watch them in line right you know how you you've done it you got to watch them in line you know who that high head on your team is you got to watch them in line or the other coach comes up to you at, at the end of the line because the, the, the head coaches and the assistant coaches are always at the end of the line hey number number 32 didn't shake hands you need to talk to them all that stuff is avoided now you yeah. don't have to worry about that and what, what what tends to happen is coaches take their t- players down to the locker room. You have created a natural cooling off period because you're going to get in, you're going to address your team, win, win or lose. Then you guys come out, and if there's another game behind you, you pass each other in the gym, and then you, the two coaches shake hands, talk, ha-ha, what, you know, whatever it is. It, be your friends, even if they're not friends, you just get the mutual respect. And yeah, but you've had time to cool off 15, 20 minutes. 
10 minutes. Now your, your, your adrenaline is not as high as it used to be because let's be real. These are 18 to 22 year olds, right? Yeah. I don't know about you. I was stupid at eight between 18 and 22. <laughs> I'm not too much smarter now, but I was really stupid at that age. So, you know, I might, I might've been the one who got caught up in, in some type of altercation that my coach, uh, or one of my teammates may have had to, uh, pull me out of, but as a coach, as a coach at the collegiate level, that is almost a no, you know, that, that, that's a no, no. I, I, I'm that coach, and I'll say this, Brian. I'm that coach who has ran on the court while doing a live ball to grab a player from doing something stupid. Because yeah, I know I, I, I've seen that mannerism, and I, and I had I had a referee getting ready to cheat me up because I ran on the court doing a live ball until he realized why I ran on the court when I ran on bear hugged that kid and, and, and started walking him towards the sideline. He's like, I'm not gonna cheat you up, coach. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because he's like, I'm right. about to get you. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was like, if you got to cheat me up, fine. But I'd rather take this team than 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 to have these kids suspension and have and have a melee up in here. He definitely yep. alone. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, and, and and all these kids, they know, you know, all of the none of those kids that got caught up in that dust up are unfamiliar with the with the the spirit of the handshake line they've been doing it since they were little kids they know what it's about so as you said when you have adults do what adults did it it just compounds things and makes things worse so i know Jawan wanted to do the blow by <laughs> and greg greg beard or greg, he should have let him do the blow by he should have let him go. You didn't have to stop him to explain why you did what you did. That's not your role. If he wants to blow by and, and drop a snide comment and say, I'll remember that. Drew, what what, what, what did we talk about earlier? What are you supposed to say? I hope you do, Coach. I got, I, keep, I, I got you. Okay, and keep I walking. I got you. Keep moving. That's exactly. all you got to do. Situation's over. But you wanted to stop and explain. You never try to stop him unless, you, unless that's your brother. You never stop a man who's hot, who's 38 hot, unless he's charging at you. And he wasn't charging by. He was walking by you. You can let that go, and we could have moved on. So it would have saved. But, you know, things happen, and people do what they do. So, um, yeah, so that's how that went. So I, 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 we just had to, we had to comment on that because, uh, look, as coaches, we, we see, we talk, and we see this stuff all the time. And so it'll be interesting to see. What happens? But don't let the don't let the overreaction uh, affect your mindset about the handshake line and the spirit of it, because it, it happens the right way thousands more times than the than the bad than the one or two bad. You know, like, don't let a bad uh, bad apple ruin the bunch, so to speak. Don't let a one bad incident ruin the countless hundreds of other times where it goes uh, well. All right, let's catch up on a break. Oh. oh, oh. One one thing, one thing. Uh, Juwan Howard deserves, at minimum, twice as much of a, of a suspension as any player is going to get. Oh yeah, because there's a couple of players who did throw some punches. So again, I I just I hate to be you know. Can you imagine being in that uh, Big Ten commissioner's office, having to watch that video with your morning coffee, 
uh, dealing with that for about four hours, getting interviews and talking to people. And I uh, mean, not, not a fun morning in the Big Ten office. I guarantee you there's something else in that coffee uh, after that right, after the first cup. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Let, let's, uh, let's catch up on the break. <clears throat> Coming back on the other side, Jamie Walker is joining us. We're going to talk about the HBCU Legacy Bowl. We still got more to talk about, a full loaded show. We haven't even got into the basketball or the CIAA stuff. We promise we will get to that coming up here in the second hour. Thanks for watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app as we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the Sporting HBCU Dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yes. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian A.D. here and uh, about to join us in this segment. Good friend of the program, Mr. Jamie Walker. I uh, want to make a quick reminder to you, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, want to appreciate everybody who's out there uh, watching the show on uh, on YouTube. Get a shout out uh, to Mara T. Thank you. Uh, Edwin Moore, appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, Will Mayer, uh Yes, Flomo is in the building. Although I will say it's funny. We were reminded that they don't like to use Flomo. So I just, you know, I know you old Boy, school. Boy, was I reminded. <laughs> you old school. You old school. You old school FMU folks. You can hold on to that, but let, let, let's just, I'll tell you, they don't, don't let the president like, hear you say that. Yeah, don't let the president hear you say that. Uh, Mary305, always good to see you. Uh, Stephen Campbell, thanks for jumping in. Real talk. Uh, dropped a few good questions in there. We'll see if we can answer some of those. Uh, any of the folks on Facebook, um, we appreciate you guys for joining us 
as well. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe uh, to the to the uh, channel or to the um, to the Facebook page and so forth. All right, so Jamie, how you doing? Looks like you've added to the uh, to the Aggie gear on the wall. How you doing, my friend? I I am good. The, the Aggie gear is always uh, being added on as I continue to just transition into this room. So, yeah, man, it's always on the wall. <laughs> Got to get your CAA logo up there on one of those panels. Oh, oh, ah, did you never, go there, Brian? Never, did you never, go there, Brian? <laughs> Listen, Look, hey, we, we need to chop it back. <laughs> Listen, we need to chop it up. Hey, I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, I keep it a buck. So I will always do that. Let's get into the legacy bowl first, and we go, but we definitely want to make sure we save part of the segment for uh, the CAA, Big South, A&T, MEAC, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to use the word debacle, but it's a situation. Most definitely, man, most definitely. And I don't know who that is about here. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to make sure that it's not, you know, I obviously I don't think it's going out. So Jamie, all right, let's get right into going into what what we saw. Uh obviously you got in on a Friday, correct? Uh the, what 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 did you all did you get a chance to partake in any of the practices or what was the schedule like when you got there on Friday? Um I I you know, I got in late on Friday, so I wasn't able to see too much going on. Um, as far as, you know, the pressers, the practices, things of that nature, uh, was able to see it through through other um, through other media. Uh, and, and it was a first class event. Uh, first of all, uh, the, the Black College Hall of Fame really put on a event athlete. So um, you were able to see, you know, career fairs and you were able to see uh, press conferences and them meeting with different players and them meeting with you know, NFL scouts and things of that nature. So it was one of those things where it wasn't um, – I attended the one um, that I think another um, another entity put on um, the year before, uh, and, and it was good as well. But they put on a first-class event this week for those athletes. And just from and – and I'm just trying to set up for those who may not have seen much of the – uh, things outside of the play on the field. How would you describe the <clears throat> the attendance? What did the attendance look like for you? Um, the attendance was great. Uh, it, considering and you're talking about the just the 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 day of the game, or you you're yeah, talking about on the day of the game? Yeah, the day of the um, game. It, it yeah. was it was pretty good considering that this is the the inaugural event. Uh, and, and what I'll say is this: it was a beautiful day in New Orleans. Uh, and so it was one of those things where there were people waiting um, as I arrived to the area already lined up trying to get in. Um, it was at um, Tulane Yulman Stadium. So it, it was a thing where, you know, it, it was plenty of room, uh, things of that nature. You know, everything logistically was great. And it was a pretty good crowd. Now, of course, it was a capacity, um, you know, and, and, and you know, you want to see something, you know, of that nature full. But I think it was a good, um, good crowd considering what kind of event this was, which was an all-star game uh, in in certain senses. And, and I now, think now you Jeff, tell me. Oh, oh go, go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jump in there. 
I was going to ask you, do you think uh, with the Andre Dawson Classic also being in Atlanta, do you think that may have had an effect on attendance? And I don't know if that was intentional or an unintentional consequence of the two events. I mean, forget that for a second. You got Mardi Gras still going on. And so so <laughs> you're, you're talking about a bunch of different stuff going on at the same time. Um Yes, I think if you if you were an HBCU supporter, you did split your allegiance between a lot of what was going on because even with the Andre Dawson Classic, I think it was two games going on in two different fields at the same time. Um, so I tried to you know run in and try to get in and even catch one of those on Friday night, but couldn't get in on time. But um, but yeah, you you had a lot going on in the city at the same time. And again, slightly cool on Friday night, um, and then again on Saturday, you know, beautiful day. So between everything that the city offered, uh, getting in and out, it was, a, again, a really good crowd uh, with everything going on. From a from a game perspective, and, and I think all-star, I think football all-star games are the toughest games to execute because, I mean, let's keep it real. Uh, one injury. Don't almost get hurt, man. <laughs> right. I was going to say one injury could could, you know, could could ruin your prospects. And for most of those guys, if they, if they made it through the week of practices, which is what I hear the scouts really came to see and watch, um, because obviously they should have plenty of game film to watch. But so when you get into the actual heat of the game. It can sometimes be a little slower or a little more it can be more vanilla and, and we saw that from the outcome what's your what's your take on the actual play on the field why you thought the scoring was so low uh what what would you change if you had an opportunity i know that's a i gave you a lot there but i just you know give me Whoa. your thoughts there i think because of the magnitude of what was going on with no hbcu players selected uh in the last draft i think these these athletes came into this game um, knowing that um, that NFL scouts would be there, that the NFL network was broadcasting the game, uh, with everything at stake, they came in ready to play. Now, I think in some instances you had to back some athletes up, and, and it, it was kind of visible from the booth area that these, you know, these guys were playing hard. There were some positions that needed to be solidified. Um, I think there's some draft statuses that you know are, are still up in the air with a lot of people. Um, there's been some people that have already been selected for the NFL combine that, you know, weren't necessarily in the game. So those that weren't selected to be in the NFL combine needed the, another showcase to show what kind of athleticism um, there were. I think coaches auditioned for different jobs. I mean, let's not forget about them. So I think in, in the ability to be able to put all of this together and showcase your talent, I think it was probably 75 to 80 percent um, playing speed. So so it was a thing of of not quite I'm going I'm going to hurt my opponent. or I'm, I'm just going to go, you know, full bore. But I do think there was something to say, kind of like, I don't know. I'll give an example. The NBA all star and the Elam ending. Once they had that. Hey, I, now I'm going to start playing defense. Uh, it was one of those things where, where you know, if you got your second time around getting in and they did a wonderful job of being able to get a great deal of the athletes significant minutes to be able to showcase their talents. 
So I think um, they did a good job of doing that, and, and, and they played hard nonetheless. I think the format was really good because they changed up a few rules where the selections of the offenses were able to get on despite uh, maybe a, a team finishing up a drive. So it was it was a good display of 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 um of talent at the game. Drew, go ahead. So talk about the game. You know, what was your feeling of of the uh game? Was it uh were you able to see the flow? Were you able to see the interactions on the sideline? I mean, what just tell us about the game itself. Well, with the game itself, I, I think, again, going to the showcasing of talent is what they wanted to display. You can see when you're dealing with with the coaches that were involved, you know, Gabe Gardini and, and Willie Simmons, uh, along with Buddy Pugh and, 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 and Damon Wilson. You're, you're talking about, you know, really clutch guys that have been in, in, in the HBCU game for quite a, a while. And so they wanted to showcase what those – um, athletes were able to do. And so uh, initially, you know, going first drive, I think Team Gaither got it first. You know, Jeremy Higbottom started the, started the, the ball game. And you can see uh, a lot of times if you follow his career both at Grambling and at Tennessee State, you can see a transition between him being able to uh, be a significant pocket passer and his running ability. And so what ended up happening was when he got out on the field and led this offense, they wanted to display his arm. So I think they did a, a great service to, to really study the players that they had on each of these rosters and be able to, to display what scouts may have not been able to see um, from them in, um, even on the film. So you can see him be a, a, a field general and really display what his talents, his arm talent more so than his feet, although his feet kept drives alive as well. Um, even with the Division II talent that, that um, got on the field, you were able to see them to play defense, be, them be able to show what kind of um, the kid um, from from um, Shawan uh, played a great game at quarterback. Uh, he really led that first initial score. So you can see, I think the coaches did a really good job in honing in on what the skill sets of the players were and wanted to display those talents. So, with the flow of the game, you can see them go back and forth. Of course, in the all-star game and really having a week to prepare with, with one roster, it wasn't, you know, the offense is oftentimes slower to catch up um, than it is the defense. Defense, you can you can play, you know, vanilla or, or your base defenses and be able just to show what kind of running and hitting you're doing. But on offense, it was a little bit more difficult really until the second half and really Team Gaither was able to show more sustained drives than Team Robinson. So, it flowed like a regular football game, but again, they up some of the rules so that you could display the talent. Now, we know you've got the USFL starting, and there are a couple of other leagues that have recently started or will be getting started. A, did you see anyone who claimed that they were from the other league because they may not they may not have wanted to know, let people know that they were there? And B, do you think this was an opportunity for some of these people to Hey, get some film to possibly go to this league. And there are going to be some people who are going to get their reality that I'm not going to make it to the national. I may need to look at going with the USFL or one of these other leagues and go ahead and sign now and not even wait on the draft because 
these summer leagues or, or spring leagues and summer leagues are getting ready to start training within the next couple of weeks. Well, throughout the week, they had other um, personnel there. And I think it was no secret you had the the the, um, the deal with with you know the XFL and and the NFL today even talking about them collaborating. So I think it's a joint effort, especially with them um, HBCUs wanting football football to get to professional leagues and them being around to see this kind of talent. Even after even afterwards, you saw. Um, you saw uh, players really tweeting out, you know, their experiences within the week uh, and the fact that they were willing to play in leagues as well. So I think that was an emphasis going in um, to this week that, hey, the NFL is here. And if you're talented, they'll get, they'll find you. It may not be an immediate find, but they will find you. But I think you had, you know, talks with players and they are open to, to going to other leagues. You can see them, you know, responding afterwards. So it being a first-class event, but being open to being um, on other rosters as well. Let's uh, let's go to sort of, uh, I don't know if you've got a top three or a top five uh, guys who who impressed you uh, from from the game or stood out from the game. Well, Jeremy Higbottom uh, was was the was one um, that definitely impressed me uh, because I'm um, you know. Him leaving Grambling, going to Tennessee State, you can see the progression and improvement in his game, being able to have some kind of pocket presence um, within w- within how an NFL offense would be, especially with the way the NFL offenses are kind of transitioning to you, letting quarterbacks use their legs. He looked really good. He looked like a Tyler Huntley um, of, of Baltimore um, that was you know able to drop back and actually throw, see some – some things open and be able to use his legs, but also looking upfield. So that was one that stuck out. Um, Jermaine Martin. Let me jump in real quick because I, you, you brought something up when you mentioned Hickbottom. And since it, you brought up a quarterback first, did it surprise you that so much was done from the shotgun? I was really shocked uh, after seeing all of the quarterbacks. I don't think I saw very little to none plays run under center, which is one of those things that you always hear uh, the transition from college to the pros where they're saying, oh, there's so much shotgun uh, 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 up-tempo read and react versus the traditional under center. Were you surprised that none of that was there? And then and then kind of going with your list. I'm sorry to jump in there, but I just I thought about that. Oh, no, you're good. No, you're good. Um, there was mostly short yardage when it came to um, being under center. They tried it on the goal line once. Uh, I know I was looking, you know, facing where I was facing on the left end. They they tried to do and, and it's crazy. It's becoming a lost art in football to be under center. They are still having trouble because it's so much shotgun. But there was a fumble snap even from under center. They tried a short yardage play earlier in the um, earlier in the game where they where the quarterback went under center and it wasn't necessarily successful. So, so I think, um, I think it's not surprising because I think that's where the NFL game is going. If you look at and, and, and see, you know, them play on Sundays, it's almost all shotgun. There's not many teams that, you know, play, you know, play from under center anymore. You know, you got the Tennessee Titans that, uh, especially if you are run heavy offense, 
you know, you'll see the quarterback be under center a little more. Uh, but for the most part, you know, they're taking this thing under, um, in the shotgun. And quite honestly, it opens up the game for the HBCU game. And the reason I say that is because if, if you if you judge based on um, based on the quarterback's ability to be able to scramble and to be able to to use his legs to to continue to move offensively, I think that's exactly what you want to display um, is out of the gun because again, the college game is is you know is moving up into the NFL game, and you can see more athletes being able to transition at the quarterback position into, you know, by use, being able to use your legs. Now, you you know, you get some flack with that because, you know, there are some people that are so old school that they want to see the traditional pocket passer. But at the same time, if you got an athlete that can control the game from the quarterback position, why not see um, what they can do? And I think the HBCU game is tailor-made tailor for that. Um, but Jamaine Martin was another one He, he uh, for North Carolina A&T. He was injured the majority of the year. But I think in this game, they did, and I don't know if it was due to injury or due to um, just just other things going on, but um, they displayed him a lot. They ran him um, early and ran him late, and you could see him getting stronger as the game went on. But also, he didn't drop a pass, and I think they threw him six passes. So they were able to show his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think... You know, he was one that definitely, um, you know, may, stock may have gone up. But I'm going to tell you what, um, Deshaun Dixon from Norfolk State is, is uh, on defense. You can see him coming off the edge really causing havoc. And he didn't win the, the MVP, but I think really he sold himself throughout the entire week, uh, being able to just display his talent. So I think those three, if you were just looking for three, would be one. Akil Glass, of course, is getting the hype. Um, he didn't have his best game at at the Legacy Ball, but I think he was is still up there to be one of you know one of the the ones drafted. If there you know our players drafted um, drafted out of HBC ranks, you know fingers and toes crossed for that, and that should happen this year. Um, but out of the game, you know he didn't play his best. I know in some of the earlier All Star games he did well. But I think, you know, the way his his um his the intricate passing game of Alabama A&M is um, his preparation for that wasn't necessarily um, conducive to playing well in this game. Although D. Anderson, uh, one of his receivers, looked good uh, as well. So so I think, you know, um, that's another that's another player that you can definitely um, look at. Marquise McClain from Southern. Uh, is, is another you know, wide receiver that was able to take hits, was able to to really go across the middle and secure the ball. You like to see that, even though you know sending receivers over the middle is is a lost art in the NFL game. So I think he he displayed a lot of skills that are pertinent to the game and a lot bigger than I thought he was um, going into the season. Just just size size wise, so he's definitely put in some work. But those are some some players that really stood out to me. Hey, how big does D. Anderson look to you? I mean, I, I'm assuming you got on the field. Uh, he, he he's listed as six six, and I wanted to. I I had heard that there were some talk about him possibly moving to tight end. Um, but and I say that if you compare D. Anderson to uh to the to the kid Mallard from Bethune, 
uh, who was a tight end this past year. How would you compare those two in terms of size and 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 and, and body structure? A little more wiry, uh, to be honest with you. I think he does have the height, um, and he would have to put on some weight. But I think he's not there yet to play tight end. I think um, they would, let's say, a Kyle Pitts of, of the Atlanta Falcons, for example. He's in that mode but has to get a little bit bigger. But you could actually move Pitts out to wide receiver. So I think it's a matter of really based on how you run your scheme offensively of whether or not he could do it. I think he could because I think he could um, could put on some weight to actually do this. And I think he's definitely a willing receiver. But you saw a lot of out routes, a lot of um, upfield routes, a lot of flies, a lot of, you know, post patterns, things of that nature. But would he be um, willing to be in, a, you know, a, a midline or interior blocker? Uh, that that remains to be seen because you really didn't see that in, in Connell Manda's offense at A&M. Um, I'll, I, the latest news that just came out and I don't know, Drew or, or Jamie, if you saw this about the planned or potential boycott of the, uh, NFL combine in Indianapolis due to some of the quarantine protocols or a lot, I forgot what the bubble protocols that they're trying to put in place, which for the life of me, I don't understand why they're trying to create a bubble all of a sudden when you got guys who have been all over the doggone country. Uh, for the last two, three months. But anyway, uh, there's a potential boycott and 150 guys is the number that's being reported may boycott this uh, combine. To my knowledge, there's only four guys from the HBCUs that are there that are planned to go. Is is that what you guys have heard? And and those four, uh, I, I know Durant, Kobe, I know Kobe Durant, uh, Marquise Bell, uh, I, I can't think of the other two right now, but are you hearing similar things? And, and what are your thoughts on this combine and, and the practices might be the last opportunity to be seen against other, you know, athletes until maybe pro days come up later in March? This is, this is always the, the, dilemma when it comes to younger players versus older um a lot of times when it comes to their needs and wants um when it comes to the union it affect you know current players of course but you're talking about kids that want to get into the national football league and although sometimes you take the greater good of a situation and just kind of eat it for the 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 lifeblood of the league or life lifeblood of your situation I think it hurts players not to be in it, especially um, HBCU players, because you have to have opportunity to the talents in front of, you know, all 32 teams. And so it does hurt um, us in particular because, you know, you're not going to have that that, you know, quote unquote. And I won't call it the last chance because, you know, teams are going to have their pro days or combined pro days or whatever. But I think within the NFL combine, you're talking about the media hype going along with coaches being on display and general managers and, you know, owners or, or franchise owners um, that are there. And, you know, it, it's tough because you're talking about the quarantine rules and people are quite sick of COVID, to be honest with you, and just, you know, sick of the restrictions. And, you know, rightfully so, depending on your perspective, I, you know, 
I've had it, so I wouldn't want it again. So I understand exactly what what's you know what's going on with um, you know prevention. But at the same time, you're talking about an athlete's dream of going to the the pinnacle of um, their profession, quote unquote. And so you only have a limited amount of time to display your talents. So I think it's a difficult situation, regardless of the regardless of their decision. Um, I can respect both sides. All right. Uh, Drew, any final any final questions or thoughts uh, for Jamie before we before we uh, break out of this segment? Yeah, man, you got your platform. Go ahead. Get it off your chest. That's <laughs> in the A&T stuff, brother. Uh, go ahead and get uh, off your chest. I'm not even going to ask you a leading question. You, this is you. First and foremost, Aggie Pride, uh, as always. Um, you know what? They had no choice uh, within this. I think the response by um, Commissioner Stills of the MEAC was, was golden. It was golden. I, I I just I'll just say it because I think both entities are right to do what is in the best interest of them. Uh, I think A&T had no choice considering Hampton's moves, what the Big South is able to do uh, and things of that nature. So I think from that standpoint, um, the CAA is the best choice considering what the choices are. However, with the news coming out that the MEAC actually made a pitch and proposal to A&T and it was essentially turned down. My only question is what was in that proposal? And that really would answer a whole lot of the questions that I I would, would have because that would give me the answer to the quote unquote assimilation um, word that commissioner stills used. That, that I mean, you know, that's the you know, and, and, and you know, there was publications that put it verbatim what what she responded to, uh, and, and just to paraphrase it, you know, A and T, you know, did what they felt was best for them, but you know, Commissioner Still said of the MEAC said, you know, she didn't feel that conferences or or that teams had to assimilate into white conferences to be relevant, and so. First of all, did she have to go there and call uh, and actually say it like that? That's the, that's the first question I, well, I want somebody to answer. She could have. I think. If, I think she says that without putting the white into it. It may have been taken in a different context. The fact that she actually called it out and said a white conference. That that's what Hampton's doing. A lot of people, but but the fact that a commissioner of a conference says it like that. You and I can say that. Jamie can say that. But for the conference commissioner to say that, it's a that's a different level. She listen for the last ah, I hope I'm frozen. For the last almost two years, I constantly as an AT graduate and AT fan hear the words, y'all think the white man's ice is colder. I hear that term, and I just say this. No, Jamie Walker does not think that <laughs> at all. There are some entities that may think so. However, <laughs> she said it. 
She said what everybody continues to say. And as a commissioner and as a person that that low 100, <laughs> bravo to her because she said exactly what people are thinking. Now, whether it's the truth or not, again, it goes into the proposal made by the MEAC and answering that question. And answering that question. And I would love to know. I will probably never know. I won't be privy to that information. But I would love to know what was what was talked about or what was presented. And if I had that answer, that answer, I would be fine. But either way, it's still Aggie Pride, but I'm gonna tell it like it is. I support HBCU conferences. I want them to thrive regardless of what goes on. I want these teams to thrive. But, I, you know, I am an HBCU conference advocate. All right. Nah, uh, uh, I got to find this. This uh, find, Somebody send me this quote uh, so I can so I can read the full full transcript. But uh, I, I think she was taking a shot at your leadership, uh, which. Oh, yeah. Look like, oh, yeah. But, yeah absolutely. Yeah, like, it's, it's no yeah, question. Like any of us on this screen. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a shot. Shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, okay, so uh, Jamie, let uh, let folks know where they can find you if they're already not following you uh, out there on the social media landscape. Uh, you can follow me um, at, on Twitter at SportVoiceJW. Um, and you'll find me calling a game somewhere or commenting on somebody's show. <laughs> but you'll find me somewhere. All right, we, we appreciate you, Jamie. Thank you for your coverage of the uh legacy bowl um and uh we, we appreciate you coming in and joining us so we'll wait to see kind of what happens with with the next stage of this oh one of the questions that i'm putting it out there to everybody now i'm gonna set a number of players hbcu players that get drafted okay i'm gonna set i think i think uh previously i may have said three and a half i'm upping it now i'm saying over or under Five. I'm, I'm going to leave it at a solid number of five. Five is a push. So we'll say over or under five players get drafted. So I want to hear from you guys out there on YouTube, Facebook. Let us know. Jamie, what say you? Over or under five players get drafted in the NFL draft? I say over. Okay. Over. Over five. Yep. All right, Drew, I'll ask you uh, that question on the other side of the break, give you a chance to think about it. Uh, and, again, anybody out there, if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, let us know in the chats. Uh, over or under five HBCU players get drafted in the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, March is coming up, so there's a few more combine and pro days coming up, but uh, we'll start to see – uh, and hear more to come. So, hey, Jamie, thank you for your time this evening. Good to see you. Thank you for all your thoughts and prayers and everything, man. And uh, definitely be in, we'll be in touch, all right? Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. We're coming up after the other side. Top five talking a lot of basketball on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. 
Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working. <laughs> never not working. Never ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield, never not working. Every time I open one of these bottles, I hear trumpets and big band music. The Creole seasoning is a sodium-free and sugar-free blend that's versatile enough to put on anything. One of the first blends I developed more than eight years ago, the Creole seasoning has an unmistakable aroma, a bold flavor, and a little heat for character. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here as we uh, get into the final segment of our show. A lot of basketball news from over the weekend. Um, Let's kind of – one of the notes from the CIAA, uh, we'll start there because obviously they are the the big – the the main headline uh, for this upcoming week as the uh, CIAA tournament begins – Tomorrow in Baltimore, Maryland, first time since 1952 it's been in Baltimore. The CIAA announced their Players of the Year. Uh, On the women's side, uh, Brianna Brown, a senior guard from Lincoln, PA, was named the CIAA Women's Player of the Year. Second straight um, Lincoln player to earn the honor in as many seasons. Uh, she led the conference in scoring 16.9 per game in the regular season while ranking sixth in the league in field goal percentage at 37%, second in the conference at the free throw line, um, 1.3 steals per game, ranking among the league leaders. Uh, other superlatives on the women's side, the women's defensive player of the year was uh, Ann Pitts of Elizabeth City State. The CIAA Women's Rookie of the Year was Ciara Harris of Johnson C. Smith, and the Coach of the Year was Tynesha Lewis of Elizabeth City State. For the women's bracket, trying to see where I wrote this down. So the women's bracket, you have three teams from the north as the one, two, and three seeds. So Lincoln, PA is the northern champion, uh, a courtesy of their win over Virginia State, uh, Lincoln finished the regular season 12-4. and four. They are the one seed. The two seed is Elizabeth City State, uh, who claimed the two seed with a win over Bowie State, and now Bowie is the three seed. So the one, two, and three seeds are all from the Northern Division. Uh, the four seed is Johnson C. Smith, who won the South, and the five seed was Fayetteville State. Um, now, one of the things that I was reading about, of course, the tiebreaker as seeding. So conference tiebreakers for seeding is as follows. It goes with head-to-head competition, then head-to-head point differential, then divisional winning percentage, and then it's a coin toss. So, of course, in the tournament, which is a 12-team field, the top four teams all get a uh, all get a buy. Uh, all of the games will appear on ESPN Plus, so that that's a big, uh, you know, big opportunity there with the championship games 
uh, being played on the 26th on ESPNU. Uh, so for the women, you've got starting tomorrow, you've got um, an 8-9. Actually, all the women's opening round games start tomorrow with uh, the 8-9. Well, they start at 10 o'clock. They go from 10 o'clock to 12-10, 220, and 430. So that's your 8-9 matchup, 5-12 matchup, 6-11 and the 7-10. And then the quarterfinals are split up over two days. So the quarterfinals take place on Wednesday and Thursday. Semifinals are on Friday. Championship is on Saturday. You can go to the CIAA.com to see the, the seating and the matchups outside of the top four. Uh, for the men... Their superlatives, Lincoln, PA's uh, junior, uh, Zarian Blue was named the CIAA Men's Player of the Year. Blue led the CIAA in scoring during the regular season, 18.9 points while ranking fourth in the conference at 7.4 rebounds per game, ninth with 2.7 assists. Um, He shot 48% from the field, nearly 74% from the free throw line, which was the 5th and 11th best percentage, respectively. Um, Let's see. He totaled a CIAA best 143 defensive rebounds, averaging 1.5 steals per game, which ranks top five in the conference. The defensive player of the year was Navarre Elmore from Livingston. The rookie of the year, Jaden Bellati of Elizabeth City State. The coach of the year was Corey Lowry of Lincoln, PA. So shout out to them. And then over on the men's side, you had the uh, top four seeds or Fayetteville State, uh, who won their game courtesy of a tiebreaker over Virginia Union. So Fayetteville State is the one seed, Virginia Union, the two seed, Winston-Salem State, who Uh, They won the tournament in 2020, which was the last time the tournament played. They are the three seed, and Lincoln, PA, is actually the four. And so for the men in the opening round, um, they actually are split on the opening round where two games will play tomorrow, Tuesday. Two of the opening round games will play Wednesday. And then also on Wednesday, you'll have a Wednesday and Thursday, a split of the quarterfinals um, between some of the, uh, so for example, the two teams that play tomorrow, the winner will actually advance to the quarters against one of the teams that earned a bye. So that's how the CIAA is uh, set up. Uh, Drew, got to make mention while we're in the lower level divisions here, I should say under D1 level. Some big games that took place in the SIC over the weekend. Uh, some games that we were watching uh, intently. Over on the uh, men's side, you had Morehouse beating Benedict 88-76. to That was a big game uh, in terms of the standings, which, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Morehouse continues on their winning streak. Uh, they closed the gap against Benedict to one game. So Benedict and Morehouse separated by just one game heading into the final week of the season. Uh, Miles continues, I believe, on their winning streak. Uh, Miles got a win 
over Central State, 61-37. Um, as I look at the schedule of games today, um, you had Albany State at Savannah, Lane at Tougaloo College. Um, Miles hosting Tuesday, hosting LeMoyne Owen. Uh, let's see, who else? Benedict is hosting Allen. On Wednesday, Morehouse hosts Albany State. Um, end of the week, I don't see anything here. Uh, Saturday, uh, no game. So the the, the, ter- the regular yeah, season, the, uh, season ends this week. Yeah, yeah I they take say the weekend season- off and the tournament begins early in the week. Sorry. Down there. Um, any uh, over on the women's side? Oh, got to mention the women's side. A big matchup took place on Saturday between Savannah State and Tuskegee on the road. The Savannah State Tigers, Lady Tigers, uh, taking on the Golden Tide, the Lady Golden Tigers of Tuskegee, and Savannah State stays hot with a 79 73 victory over Tuskegee. Uh, which uh, they improved their record now to 24 and one. And I believe I saw Savannah state was ranked like 15th in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yes. This week. So I'm pretty sure they're going to rise with those two big victories over uh, Tuskegee and uh, Benedict this week. I mean, they've earned it. And let's take something into this perspective, Brian Savannah state has more wins on the road than they have at home. And now think about that. They've got 24 victories, 13 away, 11 at home. 13 and one on the road, 11 and 0 at home. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's pretty doggone impressive. Uh, shout out Tuskegee. They have a 24 overall record, so uh, a 20-win season there for Tuskegee. They're first in the West. Benedict is just a game behind, actually two games behind technically Savannah State. Um, so 19 and 7. So again, you don't want to finish as the three seed or the two seed um, because obviously it sets up sort of that showdown between Benedict and Tuskegee and the women's. But that SIC women's tournament will be interesting. And again, we talked about how many teams from the SIC women can get into the Division II playoffs. I think Savannah State's ticket is punched. Uh, I think really all they need to do is get a win in the tournament, and they're probably in. Uh, it's just a matter of Benedict and Tuskegee. Uh, I, I think whoever gets to the championship game is in, and it's just a matter of does the other team get to the semifinal? You know, don't stumble early. Don't stumble in your quarterfinal matchup is the key here, you know. So that that'll be key for them. And um, I don't know, you know, it, it might be a little tough for Miles, man. Miles, you know, we talked a couple of weeks they ago. They dropped two this Miles, week, if I remember correctly. They, they did. They did. They dropped a couple. Lane is actually in second place in the West. Lane with an 11-6 and conference record, 16-9 and overall. Um, so uh, interesting to kind of see what happens there. Uh, quickly over to... The NAIA level and the Red River uh, for the men's conference. You've got Xavier sitting at eleven and four, 
in the conference, 20-5, and five, got their 20th win of the season with a win over Paul Quinn. That was a 67-66 win in overtime. So that was pretty big, pretty big win for Xavier over Paul Quinn. Again, such a shame that Paul Quinn is not eligible for the tournament uh, this year. Um, any, uh, let me see, anything over in the women's side, Drew, while I finish up pulling the Red River, if you Xavier, want to pull up. The, do, you, do you have uh, Xavier with their run? Uh, yeah, right now it's up to 13. 13-game 13 winning streak for the Xavier ladies, 14-1 and one in the Red River, 19-5 and five overall, well on their way possibly to a 20-win uh, season here, depending upon how the last weeks of the season, they should get the one seed um in the tournament uh a team they got to watch out for though our lady of the lake on the other side though they they have not lost in in conference play in the west i don't know if those two teams played each other or not not you know not too familiar with how the red river rolls but uh that's just something to pay attention to um southern states southern states what's the southern now you just you you just caught you just called that game this past weekend in the Southern States. Um, what what do we know about their uh, about their breakdown? They they already announced their bracket, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, they they finished their season up uh, yesterday. Uh, had one game they had to get in as Talladega had to face number one Loyola out of New Orleans, and for the second time in one week, Brian. Matter of fact, Steelman had to face them two times in one week, Loyola, as one was a makeup game, one was the regularly scheduled game. And unfortunately, both both teams lost uh, to Loyola. So Loyola defeated both these teams by a combination of four times. So for the Steelman men, they finished number four in the Southern States, and they will play – Thursday morning in Montgomery, Alabama, which is where the uh, tournament is being hosted at. And the Steelman women finished fifth. What's ironic about the Steelman women, they will play the same opponent that they played yesterday. Excuse me, they played Saturday, and that opponent being William and Carey. So can and they've lost both games to William McCary this season. So can William McCary defeat still with three times in a row? Let's hope not. Uh yeah, so, again, um thir- Thursday you've got uh Stillman taking on Mobile, and we're talking men here. Um so men as you just mentioned, uh Talladega will play the winner of Dalton State and Bruton Parker on Thursday. And uh, Stillman is the four. So it looks like as it's kind of set up, Stillman will have to find a way to beat Loyola on that side of the bracket. First, they got to get by Mobile, and then they'll have to look to figure out a way to beat um, Loyola in the semifinals. So, again, that's uh, the Southern States is taking place Wednesday uh, through Saturday, and so then on the women's side, you you just you had the seating. You I'm, you just say, say that again, again. You had for the women's William McCary. Uh, they face William McCary in the four or five match. Right. Okay. So uh, a, a nice little turnaround there in Stillman, and so that'll be 
on, as you said, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. morning. So I believe that's the open game. Got to wake up Thursday not, morning. Not, All yet, right. not yet, Mr. Producer. Not yet, Mr. Producer. Well, he, I got a feeling oh, he he's putting it. that up there. He's trying to send us a signal. Maybe he's trying to send us a oh, signal. Oh, what, um, can I get one other thing about stemming out before we go into these rankings? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Bilal Whittle was named the Conference Player of the Week in baseball for Stillman. Uh, he hit 692 with five RBI, and including four RBIs against Payne and one home run on yesterday. All right. So he's the um, Southern State's Conference well, Player of the Week. Right. While we've got our Division One top five up, it'll give us a chance to kind of talk a little bit about what uh, is happening over on the Division One side. As you can see, the top five rankings start with Norfolk State at one, Texas Southern, followed by Southern, Howard, Alcorn State as the top five. Uh, in the SWAC this past weekend, on this past Saturday, I tell you what, the top five, it just keeps tighter and tighter, Drew. You got the su- Southern losing to Grambling just created a – uh, uh, um, losing to Grambling for the second time this year just created a a, a log jam in first place. As you got Southern, Texas, and Alcorn sitting at ten and four, Alcorn gets a one point win over Jackson State at the free throw line. Matter of fact, so I mean, and uh, which is kind of ironic given the fact that Alcorn lost a game earlier this year at the free throw line. So to sort of get that back. It's kind of interesting to see they get that uh, last-second win with three seconds left in regulation uh, to win that ball game. Uh, Coach Dante Johnson of Grambling in just his fifth season drew ten and two, or I'm sorry, nine and two versus Southern, including Baton Rouge. So you talk about owning somebody right now. He definitely uh, has been putting it on Southern. And uh, the curious thing with FAMU at nine and five, Grambling at nine and five, you got two teams going into action today, tonight, matter of fact, that are just sitting one game out of first place. So we can be talking next week about a complete flip of who's in first place in the SWAT. And uh, just. Back at Southern has lost to Grambling State twice this year. Texas Southern has two losses as well. They've lost to Southern twice this year. And Grambling, who sits at nine and five, has two losses to Texas Southern this year. So talk about the irony of that. And then I, I, your that's what you call parody. Parody. Okay. Uh, you called this the team to watch out for two weeks ago. Prairie View A&M, listen to this. Of course, they have the two forfeit losses. You know you know who those two forfeits came to, right? Grambling and Southern. Southern and Grambling, yes. Yes. Now, Prairie View has managed a way to beat three of these top five teams. They've beaten Southern, they've beaten Alcorn, and Grambling, okay? They've lost to Texas Southern and FAMU by one point each. So when we talk about the team that is most dangerous, that is Prairie View A&M currently tied for sixth in the conference with a record of seven and seven, one uh, right behind Alabama A&M. 
So you talk about a team that you may not want to face, as you said, you called it two weeks ago. Stay off the line with Prairie View, whatever line yes, they are. Exactly. So, yeah, stay off the line with Prairie View because that'll be an upset. Putting that game on upset watch. Um, you see Howard right there. Howard, of course, the number four seed getting a win uh, this past weekend in uh, uh, up in Cleveland with a – I'm looking for the score here. 68-66 win over Morgan State. Um, that was a good win for them. Uh, North Carolina Central continues to win. Pay attention, North Carolina Central. 7-2 and two in the MEAC, closing the gap on everybody, doing what they do. Um, you know, right there sitting, uh, sitting right behind Norfolk State. And then I got to give a shout-out again. South Carolina State gets a 70-63 win. How about South Carolina State? 14-12 and 12 overall, 6-4 and four in the MEAC again. One of the worst teams in all of Division I basketball just a year ago. South Carolina State, my story of the year. Coach of the year belongs to South Carolina State's head coach. I don't care what you say. They're 14 and 12 overall. Coach of the year right there for South Carolina State, um, especially if they finish and knock off a few people. All right, let's go over to the Division I men, uh, women. Uh, jump over to that side. Of course, it's the uh, big bad, big bad uh, Lady Tigers of uh, Jackson State in first place. Uh, and then you've got the rest of the MEAC there. Uh, Howard, Coppin State, Norfolk State, Morgan, and all of them. Look at the conference standings, like 8-2, and 8-2, and 8-2. And, and then Morgan sitting a game behind at 7-3. and three. Um, Lauren Harper should be up for consideration for coach of the year. Another outstanding, I mean, there now Coppin was a team very bad last year. Very, very bad. But she has turned, she finally got, you know, some time with those kids and they've turned their season around tremendously this year. Uh look at that record, 17 and 9. So it'll be, I mean, the MIAC, the MIAC women are shaping up the tournament for the MIAC, especially um among those four teams and, and, you know, who knows somebody gets upset, anything's possible. Right. And then you see on the outside, um, Alabama A&M, of course, and then you have North Carolina A&T state who, uh, over in the, uh, big South, let's go down to division two, our top five on the men's side of division two. First place, Benedict behind them, West Virginia, Excuse me, West Virginia State uh, sitting in third. I, what is what is their standings at right now, West Virginia State, Drew? Keep talking, I'll tell you. All right. And then you have Virginia Union and Fayetteville State, who are the one and two seeds in the CIAA men. Uh, in the hunt, you've got Morehouse right there on the verge of, of breaking in. You've got Winston-Salem State, Lincoln, PA. So, um those schools still have a shot at getting in. You're able to find it. West Virginia, West Virginia State sits in third place, one half game behind Charleston in, okay. in their conference. Uh, yeah, they sit one half game behind, and they sit three games behind West Liberty. All right, and probably about a week left to three go. Three and a half games. Three, three and a half. 
three and a half games and taking a look at the schedule for the Mountain East Conference. There's a they, they are off today. There's a slate of games on Wednesday. So West Virginia State will play Concord on Wednesday. Charleston and Glenville State will play on Wednesday. Uh and Saturday. They have they have uh they have one, two, three Three more dates. No, two more dates. They finish up on Saturday. All right. So they final finish week up on of Saturday action. And their conference tournament will begin on March 2nd. Okay. So pretty much this is the last week for Division Two. Um, right. with, Looks uh, like so the best West Virginia State can finish is uh, second. Right. But, you know, never know with the tournament. Anything's possible. Uh, let's go over to the Division Two women's breakdown. Our top five computer rankings. These are games played through Sunday. So for Division Two uh, women, uh, do you have while we wait on that graphic? Do you have the do you have the list? Number one, Savannah State, followed by number two, Tuskegee, then number three, Benedict, uh, all in the SIC. Uh, we pretty much assume those will be the top three seeds going into SIC women's tournament. West Virginia State women, what what's their standing like right now in the Mountain East? They are four. And then uh, Lincoln PA, who Lincoln is the – what seed are they in the tournament again? They are the number one seed in the CIAA women's tournament, followed closely by Elizabeth City State, who's the two seed in the tournament. And, Drew, did you have West Virginia State's placement right now? They are number four in the conference with a 13-7 record overall. They Excuse me, they're tied for three, but I'm assuming they're four because of uh, West Liberty with the tiebreaker because they have West Liberty listed first. So with that being said, they are two games out of second place. But let's flip that. They are also two games ahead of seventh place. Oh, with wow. Two games ago. <laughs> with gotta two games ago. Got to finish strong. Got to finish strong because yes. you could be anywhere from going up to going two down. To if you, if, yeah, exactly. Got to finish strong. All right, let's go over to our last two polls, which is the NAIA level. For the men, still in first place is Talladega. Uh, finished the regular season 25-4, and 15-3. Uh, good for second in the conference heading into the regular C, uh conference tournament there. Paul Quinn, one of the one of the better stories, a great story. Um, you know, 22 and 2, 11 and 2 in the Red River. Uh not eligible for postseason this year, but uh they stay together. That that'll be an interesting story uh for them paying attention to them going into the future. Xavier uh with their 20th win of the year uh, as beating Paul Quinn. So that was a big win to get their 20th win in OT. Stillman sitting at 18 and 7. And then Tougaloo at 17 and 8 with Florida Memorial sitting right in the uh in the hunt spot at 13 and 14. And then for the women, our top five in the women is still Rust sitting at number one, even though they they suffered a loss to Philander Smith. Over the weekend, that was a big NAIA contest, GCAC matchup. Uh, still wasn't enough to
to unseat them. But what it does, though, it may move Philander Smith into the one seed heading into the GCAC tournament. So I don't know if that'll matter because you still could have Rust versus Philander Smith in the uh, in the championship game for the GCAC. Is clearly those are the the two the two top teams. Uh, Talladega is in third in the Southern States Conference, nine and seven overall. Xavier over in the Red River now, sitting at fourth uh, with a nice streak going on, 14 and one in conference play. And in Florida Memorial in the Sun Conference, I believe the Sun Conference tournament is happening this week, Drew, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Are you able to check into that real quick on the outside or in the hunt, rather? You've got Stillman. And then followed up by Langston. Yeah, actually, I was just checking it up. Uh, the GCAC has one game remaining on the women's side. That's Rust and Dillard, and that game is going on as we speak right now. Okay, and uh, so thank they, you. They, they will begin their tournament. <laughs> yeah, uh, those comments that we mentioned earlier uh, from. Uh, Commissioner Sonia Stills of the uh, MEAC, uh, as you read them there, we are sure that A&T made the choice that is appropriate for them at this time. We are just as strong and competitive as we were before. We can still give our fans the competitive, great games that we've always given without feeling like we have to assimilate to predominantly white conferences. Yowch. Whew. Well, I tell you what. Hey, look, they're not holding their breath. I mean, we've are, we've seen uh, the president of Tennessee State. She didn't bite her lip when she made her statement. Commissioner Hills is on her lip. I right, look, who, who, you, who's going to say something? You go ahead and say something to these women if you want. I, <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and be like, mm. <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. So, hey, it is what it is, man, right? Um. Any final thoughts? Any any anything uh, that we left off? I know there's a lot of stuff still, a lot of meat on the bone, Drew. But we got to get out of here. So, uh, any final thoughts? Look, you had SWAC, you had SWAC indoor track championships. So something else, something that we did not get into. Uh, just just so much out there uh, from this past weekend. You had the uh, the Gramley car in in the NASCAR in the Daytona 500. Just, I don't even want to keep bringing stuff up because we'll start another conversation to get our producer. Well, you can give a shout out to who won. You can give a shout out to who won. I mean, you didn't mention who won, so go go to the SWAC website. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Hey, we gotta let them do their own research. We tell them to go to go to the SWAC website. Do do your research, but don't forget about those who won. the indoor championship, and we're not even going to be able to have an opportunity to touch softball as softball is underway on every level now. Right. Uh, I'm going to take a second and give a shout-out to uh, FAMU Baseball for getting two wins over two teams that, unfortunately, due to the scheduling, the scheduling matrix of the SWAC, for some reason, East doesn't get a chance to play West during the year. West doesn't get a chance to play East. So it uh, hopefully that'll change in the future. But uh, Florida, two schools from the West, 
Uh, they opened the season with a 13-7 comeback win against Prairie View. And then in the ninth inning, they uh, they took a game away from Southern, also of the West, uh, to go 2-1. and one. Uh, They did lose in between those two contests to Alabama State, 9-6. to six. Um, But uh, still a good weekend for uh, Coach Shoup and the uh, FAMU Rattlers. Uh, uh, it's, it's always good to see my Rattlers doing well. And, and shout out to uh, MJ Randolph, your your future SWAC men's basketball player of the year who dropped 30 on Alabama State. Uh, make sure to tune in tonight, I believe on ESPN, one of those major networks at 9 p.m. will be Alabama State taking on Bethune-Cookman basketball and uh, in the historic Moore Gymnasium. Not an arena, gymnasium, literally gymnasium. And so that game will be on ESPNU, but shout out to Bethune for getting a chance to host that game. Uh, I know it'll be tight in there. Uh, it'll be interested to see if it's still cold because that place can get cold. I mean, it's, it's brick, so it's just brick and cement. It gets cold. So uh, <laughs> it's either going to be hot or cold. They, wait, they forgot to put the heat in there because it's in Florida? Hey, look, they, who needs heat? It's Florida. You know, they're in Daytona Beach. So you, that little bit of cold, you just put a jacket on. That's like that say. gym in Minnesota that doesn't have air conditioning. We understand. Yeah, just, just yeah, it can't, can't get that hot and it can't get that cold that you need that you need to uh, put in uh, uh, the, the heat in there. So anyway, uh, that game, again, is a 9 o'clock Eastern. Got to make sure to support. Any chance you get a chance – to watch and uh, support HBCU sports, we'd uh, encourage you to do so. Uh, that's going to do it for this show. It's good kind of being back and being able to kind of talk uh, about sports and talk about this HBCU thing. And I'll be on Wednesday with uh, with the guys, uh, the OG Strike Zone, so that'll be a chance to kind of talk uh, FAMU stuff. Uh, make sure to tune in tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Charles Bishop and Mike Washington as uh, the professors will be in. Make sure to show up with your notebook or, um, you know, even if you got a notepad on your phone, that'll work too. Have a have a pen, pencil, something to write on. Don't, don't do come like to class. Do back in the day. Just come in with a voice recorder. Again, don't come to class unprepared. That's all I'm warning you. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, for our producer, Roy, and A.D. Drew, my co-host, my name is Brian Fulford. Thanks for watching the Sports Wrap. You guys be safe and take care of yourselves out there. Peace out. Uh-huh, I love. But you know, you stay on hard.